Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. So I'm excited to be here, and it's a great privilege to be speaking at this service, especially on the week when my new book comes out. And it's a festive colour, ladies and gentlemen. So, uh, and uh, I asked Anthony if I can plug this, and seeing as I, uh, I don't keep any of the money, it all goes into the Message Trust, that's a charity I work for, he said, that's all right then. So they are available, here I am, seek me, and uh, 6 99 But if you buy my prequel, here I am, send me. Uh, we've been journeying through the, the book of Isaiah for the last like four years at the message and two years in I wrote this book which was half of Isaiah and then we finished it so the rest of it's in this book but even if you don't like my teaching there's some spectacular stories of changed lives some of the people who the, the trust been able to touch and, and stuff that only God can do so if you buy them both or if you buy any two so okay they're a tenner but Ben said to me give them away I'll pay for them he did, I heard him. So who would like a copy of Here I Am, Seek Me? You, madam, happy Christmas. And who would like a copy of Here I Am, Send Me? There we are. Courtesy of our lovely team leader, Ben Jeffrey. And so but, um, if you'd like to get them, there's message guys in the foyer as you have your coffee. There's also a free magazine we produce called Flow. Lots of faith building stories and we send this out a few times a year. And as a mailing list, we'd love to send you that for free. I know you'll find it encouraging. Um, I don't mind plugging books because in some ways I'm here because of a Christmas present of a book. You know, my mum, Christine, who's this amazing, proper Christian, she, uh, she, every year when I grew up as a rebellious teenager, used to buy me and my two brothers a Christian book. You know, we'd get all the stuff we wanted for Christmas. We'd get the latest Man United kits and we'd get the albums we wanted and all that stuff. But there'd always be the Christian book. And here's Christine trying to convert us all again. And, uh, and they'd lay on our bookshelf in uh, South Manchester, unread. However, when I'm age 17 and my mum and dad have moved to Wales, probably to get away from me because I was such a nightmare. And uh, I was uh, doing life with my brother, Simon. And Simon, who, who was 19 and was on drugs and trouble with the police and just a bit mental. And uh, he, he started going out with a girl called Leslie. And Leslie had a, a cousin who lived in Blackpool. And she went over to visit this cousin in Blackpool and they were wandering around the shops and they wandered into a second-hand bookshop. And Leslie's cousin, my, my boyfriend's, no, my brother's girlfriend's cousin, <laughs> follow this, right, said to Leslie, see that book there? I've read that book, that Christian book called Turned On To Jesus. Uh, and I wonder if there's anything in this Christianity. Maybe I'll buy it for you, see what you think, Leslie. So she bought this book in a regular, like, not a Christian bookshop, just a regular secular bookshop for like five pence and gave it to Leslie. Leslie read it. It was written by a guy called Arthur Blessit, which is a fantastic name for a Christian preacher, isn't it? Which I was called Andy Blessit. But anyway, Arthur Blessit had written this book and Leslie was also impressed by it, so impressed by it that she gave it to her boyfriend, my brother. And, uh, and he opened the book and on the inside page, it said, To Simon, with love from mum, Christmas 1977. I hope this book means something to your son. It's a real blessing. And uh, Simon's looking at this book and he's like, 
Uh, this is too Simon with love from God. And we don't know to this day how the book got off our bookshelf in South Manchester, 50 miles away into the second-hand bookshop in Blackpool, into his girlfriend's hands and back round to him. Apart from a lady called Christine was praying. And uh, a bunch of other people were praying for the, these crazy two guys. And so Simon was like, uh, and he read this book. And he was so impressed. And at the end of it, there was a little prayer where you could commit your life to Christ. You could say, I'm in. And Simon prayed that prayer. And he phoned me up and he said, Andy, I've given my life to Jesus. He told me about the book. And he said, come along to church with me on Sunday. I'm going to go to church again for the first time for like years and years. And so I went. And Simon was really excited by it. And I was a bit like, oh, it was okay. But something had happened in my brother's life that I was, I was gripped by. And I wanted to be back the following Sunday. And I went back to church the following Sunday. And six months later, he stood in front of the church and, and told his story, told the story about the book. And, and I knew how, how not only had he, he read a book and prayed a prayer, but his life had been radically changed. And he wanted to tell everybody about it. And I really, really wanted what he, he wanted. And if uh, at the end of this service, I, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if you're like, I'm in. I want to be a Christian. And if somebody done that at that service in Cheadle, just down the road there, Cheadle St. Mary's Church, mine would have been the first hand up. Because I was like, I really want this. I really want to be a Christian. And, but nobody did. And I went home and I prayed a prayer on my bedroom floor and gave my life to Christ. And it was all because somebody bought me a book. So maybe that'll be the best five years spend all year. You never know. But that's not to flog my book. That's to honour God for what he does. Because God's like, a, the, somebody calls him the hound of heaven. You know, he's after people, especially when people are praying, especially when people are inviting people to occasions like this. God's on the move and, and Christmas is just such a beautiful time. And the whole book event happened just before Christmas. And I remember going to church and suddenly they weren't like footy songs anymore. Oh, come on, you faithful. You know, it was like me and Jesus. I was worshipping him and I knew him and it was amazing. And it is such a cool time, Christmas. It is an exciting time. It can be an amazing time. But strangely enough, it can also be a bit of a weird time, can't it? It can be a hard time for people. Christmas is the time when more marriages fall apart than any other time of the year, when people feel more stressed than at any other time of the year. There are more family feuds, more patients suffer regression than at any other and the reason is because it's easy to centre this amazing event that's all about Jesus and his rescue mission on us. And we get wrapped up in our own little worlds and it doesn't work. Well, maybe just for a few minutes, we can stop that and get into the real meaning of Christmas by looking into the Bible. I believe in the Bible. I believe in all of it. I believe in the index. I believe in the maps. <laughs> But I really believe in the bit in between. I think it's God's word and it changes everything once we start living by the Bible. And in Luke chapter 2 in the Bible, there is this story that Daniel just read for us. Stuff that really happened. A friend of mine went to a, a nativity this week and they started off the nativity at this primary school by saying, Once upon a time. Uh, no, not once upon a time. You know, not like some fairy story. This is 2,000 years ago. Historical events, these things really happened. There really was a baby called Jesus and a young mum and dad in the teens called Mary and Joseph. There really were shepherds out in the hills and uh, 
shepherds in Jesus' day, 2,000 years ago, were like the rejects of society. Nobody wanted to be a shepherd. People considered people who were shepherds, you know, to have the same kind of intellect as the sheep. They were, they were outsiders. They were rejected. Because of the work they did, they weren't even allowed to worship in this religious society, in the temple. They, they, were, the, they were the outsiders. And I love that. I love that the first people who heard the good news of this story about God leaving heaven and coming to earth were, were outsiders. People who may feel a bit rejected. People who certainly weren't religious. They weren't even allowed in the building. Don't you like that they are the first people? They're the kind of people that the message has a special focus on reaching the charity I work for. Of course, this good news is for everybody. But God has a special heart for you, I believe. If you feel a bit out of sync, if you feel a bit rejected, if you feel a bit sad and lonely and disconnected, God just loves you. And he went out of his way to tell the good news of great joy for all people. To these shepherds, they were out in the fields at night, pitch black. And suddenly, the glory of the Lord turns up, the Bible tells us. Now, I've uh, occasionally, you know, so that was 39 years ago, the book event, when I was 17. I've been journeying with Jesus. And occasionally, over those 39 years, I've, I mean, felt the presence of God. Not just when I read it in the book, but I've experienced the power of God in my life. That may sound weird to some of you in this place. Some of us will just know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you may have even in the worship for the first time in your life felt, what was that? It's the Lord. The Lord presences himself with his people. And But I don't think I've ever experienced anything quite like these shepherds. There they are, these ordinary working lads out in the field and the glory of the Lord turns up and there's a 40-foot angel. <laughs> you can imagine the language, what them? And the angel says, don't be afraid because the guys were afraid. Of course they were. You would be, wouldn't you? Apparently there's 366 times in the Bible it says don't be afraid or fear not. I love that. And somebody said that's one for every day of the year. You've even got one for a leap year. You know, whatever we're going through in life and, and clearly in, a, in a, a group of people this large, there'll be all sorts of trials, all sorts of difficulties, all sorts of challenges. There'll be a lot of things to be fearful about. There's probably people in this room who are fearful about your health or the health of a loved one. Fearful about your finances. What the heck are you going to do when that credit card bill turns up in January? Fearful about your relationships, shattered relationships within your family or or even with you personally. But for the, in the Bible, there's a don't be afraid for you. Not just some big don't be afraid world. You don't be afraid. Fear not. Why? Because I'm bringing you good news of great joy for all people. There's Christianity. Bosh. It's three things. It's good news. And the tragic thing is it's news to so many people. It's news that God left heaven and came to earth on this massive rescue mission. It's news that for hundreds of years before, men of God were prophesying it down to the most minute detail. On that day when Jesus was born, there's like 24 very specific prophecies fulfilled that nobody could ever fix. In the Old Testament, there are more than 300 of these specific promise, prophecies. Do you get what I'm saying? 
Like these, these prophets of old said, the Saviour's going to come, God's great rescue mission, and he's going to be born in this tiny little town called Bethlehem. He's going to be born of this family, this family of Mary and Joseph. Yeah, that'll be his lineage. All this stuff, dozens and dozens of these prophecies. They even prophesied how he was going to die. He was going to be pierced through his hands and his feet. And when people read that, thousand years before Jesus, they're like, what's that all about? So nobody fulfilled all these prophecies in all history, apart from one man. What's his name? Jesus. What's his name? Jesus. Our Jesus, this Jesus, fulfilled every prophecy. Is that not good news? Yeah. There is a God and he's intimately involved. He's like some big spotlight in the Old Testament. Here he is. He's on the scene. It's good news. Good news of great joy. There's a bloke, one of the best Christian writers around uh, who's in heaven now. He's called C.S. Lewis. You know him. He wrote the Narnia stories. But he was a bit of a misery. You know, he was a kind of Oxford don, a bit, bit melancholic. And, and uh, you know where his story, he wrote, he wrote his story of coming to Christ. And he was, you know, the most reluctant convert in the kingdom, he said, sort of like. But you know what his story was called, his autobiography? It was called Surprised by Joy. C.S. Lewis just wasn't ready for this kind of joy. The joy of the saved, the joy of the free, the joy of the alive in Christ, the joy of a guy who's got hope. Any joy in this place? Anybody a bit excited? Yes, we are. We're excited. We're not bothered. You be excited about what you want to be. We're excited about Jesus Christ. And what happened at Christmas time? Good news of great joy. And it's for all people. It's for everybody. I had this weird month last, last year with Michelle. Where we went straight from the slums of Haiti. One of the most desperate places in the world. The poorest of the poor fighting after this earthquake there's still repercussions of that all over the country and we you know we try and help out in bits of ways I went straight from there to a billionaire's super yacht while you're out here out there come and spend a bit of time with us and it can mash your head that sort of thing but you know the amazing thing is the good news is just as relevant in the slums as it is on the super yacht you're just as lost on the super yacht as you are in the slums and you can be just as alive in the slums amazingly. You know, we go into prisons and see joy break out. This Christmas we'll have some amazing times of joy. People who are in prison but are really free. It's for all people. There's nothing like the Christian faith. There are other religions but there's no faith that's so universal across every culture, every colour, every country. It's for all people. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. And the angels went on. The good news is this. Today, in the town of David, a saviour is born who is Christ the Lord. You know, Jesus Christ, his very name means saviour. 2,000 years ago, it was a big deal what you christened your child. You know, and nobody in, the, of course, nobody in this family line was called Jesus. But that had been another thing that Mary was told. You've got to call him Jesus. And Jesus means saviour. Andrew means manly. <laughs> Don't laugh. <laughs> but Jesus means saviour, just someone who's come to save. You know what Christmas is really? It's just a massive rescue mission. And the picture of the Bible gives us is we're all of us on a river. We're on a river heading towards a waterfall of destruction. There's nothing we can do to get out. But Jesus dived in. 
You know, because we're all sinners, we're heading towards a lost eternity without Christ and without God. Because only, only perfect people can go to heaven and be with God and be in a relationship with him. Well, I can never be that. I can never do that on my own. So someone needs to come in and rescue me. That's what Jesus coming to earth was all about. He's a saviour. Save you came to save us. And if, if that wasn't enough, then the Bible tells us a great company of angels turned up. Singing glory to God in the highest. On earth peace and on men on whom his favour rests. It was like heaven couldn't wait any longer. This is getting really exciting. We've been waiting for this. You see, there are angels. There's all sorts of, there's a whole eternal world out there. Four powers of good and evil. We kind of know that instinctively. I've never seen an angel, but I know people who have actually, really. And I believe in all that stuff. I believe there's a heaven and there's a hell. I believe there's a devil and there's demons. I believe there's supernatural forces of good, God's angels. And they were there on the hillside saying glory to God in the highest and on our earth peace. See, God's glory is no longer now because of Jesus just residing in heaven. Jesus is bringing heaven and earth together. We don't get the full measure till we get to heaven, but we can get a down payment, a deposit, the Bible says. It might be 0.0001% of all that's to come, but it's still pretty good. The glory of God is with people. You know, it's like Jesus in his big prayer that we all know said, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That's what's meant to happen because of, because of Jesus See, once God truly is in the right position in your life, once you've surrendered your life and made him Lord, you get two priceless gifts. You get peace and you get God's favour. Without those things, a rich man's poor. With them, a poor man's rich. The angels said, glory to God in the highest on earth, peace on those whom God's favour rests you see, there is a, a kind of peace that I've experienced in the last 39 years that you can't find anywhere else. It's peace that passes understanding. It's peace through trials. It's, a, it's more than just some weird, like, hippie peace. You know, I've, I've got peace, man, because I'm, I'm high on some illegal substance. No, it's, it's long-lasting. It, it, it's eternal. It's God's spirit residing in your life. The Bible calls it shalom, actually, which is the Christian peace. It's centeredness and completeness and wholeness. I'm not saying all the time I'm floating around on this peace cloud and I never get stressed, but it's a different order of living. It's like living in colour before I was living in black and white. Honestly, it's that good. It's the peace of Jesus. He said, my peace I'll leave you, not as this world gives you, but my peace. Talks about it being peace that passes understanding. Peace and God's favour, according to the angels, come through Jesus. And some people say, God doesn't have any favourites. Wrong. Yes, he does. You're looking at one. <laughs> no, honestly, I am. I don't deserve to be. What's God thinking of? But I'm his favourite because his favourites are those who've chosen to make Jesus Lord, who've turned away from the sins and have asked for his forgiveness. And suddenly from that moment, God's favour rests on your life. 
And I do honestly think sometimes, what would my life look like if 39 years ago I hadn't chosen to make Jesus Lord, turned away from my sins? When I look at what I'm doing with the work and my relationships, look at just look at my life. I mean, you know, it's not perfect, clearly, and I mess up, but oh, where would I be if it wasn't for Jesus? And you can know that peace today and that sense of God's favour resting on your life. Now and most importantly for eternity. The Bible says the shepherds hurried off to see for themselves. They obviously believed it. And when they believed it, they did something about it. Now there's an idea. You know, they hurried off. Don't hang about. If you know in your heart this is true, respond. Do something. Put your life in God's hands. And then there were some of these wonderful Last verses, when they saw the baby, they saw Mary and Joseph, just the presence of God in that scummy stable. The Bible says when they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told of them and about the child and all who heard it were amazed. Sure sign that you really know Jesus is you want to spread the word. You can't keep it yourselves. If we believe what we believe, if we believe what it says in the book, if we believe Jesus was saviour, come on this rescue mission, and he didn't just stay as a baby, he grew up as a man, fulfilled all those prophecies, did this spectacular teaching, the greatest words the world's ever heard, did all these extraordinary miracles. He said, I'm going to build a church. I'm going to build a church and it's going to go on into eternity and hell itself won't stop me. That's what Jesus said. And then he died, that horrible death, pierced through his hands and his feet, punished for all the wrong things we've ever done. All the things that separate us from God, all the things that separate us from knowing his peace and his favour, he took the rap for that on the cross. And I'm telling you, you can imagine, can't you, the religious leaders, when they saw Jesus hanging on that cross, would have been like, oh yeah, you're going to build a church. Look at the state of you. Hanging on a cross, dying a criminal's death. Guess what? Jesus does what he promises. He does what he promises. He said, I'm going to build a church. And almost certainly, more people are going to gather today to worship around the world than at any time since the first Christmas. Christian church is growing faster than ever. Every single country in the world. I mean, my, uh, my friend was interested in doing an alpha course. You know the alpha course? that we're going to be running one in January. Fantastic course. Just to spend time with some cool people digging into the Bible and eating food together and asking all your questions and journeying. And, you know, I've run dozens of Alpha courses. I love it. But my friend was, uh, said, I'm really interested in doing the Alpha course. I thought, oh, great. You know, let's go on the website now. And so I went on the Alpha website and it says, search for a country. Okay, search for a country. Do you know what the first one that comes up is? Afghanistan. Oh, I'd like to do an Alpha course in Afghanistan, please. And then it's, it's like every country on earth, you know, do you want to do an Alpha course in Saudi Arabia or Oman or wherever it is, you know, and every country all the way through, God's people just doing what he told them to do in the book. And the church just spreading so beautifully. In a moment, we're going to watch a video and then I'm going to ask you if you, and we do this every week at Ivy actually, pretty much, if you want to follow Christ, you want to be a Christian, or you've been just far, far away and you want to come back, I, I want to...
pray a prayer and just ask you to raise your hand. And, uh, and I want to give you this little booklet that I wrote called, for Christmas, called The Gift of Hope. If you've got hope, you're rich, aren't you? I tell you, stuff Calvin Klein jeans. I'll have the gift of hope, please, Ben. <laughs> it's right, isn't it? But in this little booklet, listen to this. An anonymous writer wrote, wrote this about Jesus. You know, baby Jesus, born in Bethlehem, grew up in a place called Nazareth, little more than a bunch of caves. He was a, a carpenter and only, he only did his thing for three years, his public ministry. But listen to this. He was born of Jewish parents in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He grew up in another village where he worked in a carpenter's shop until he was 30. And then for three years, he became a preacher. He never wrote a book, never held office, never owned a house, never had a family, never went to college. He never put his foot outside a, inside a big city. He never traveled more than 200 miles from the place he was born. He never did one of the things that usually accompanies greatness. He had no credentials but himself. While he was still young, the tide of popular opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. One betrayed him. One denied him. He was turned over to his enemies and went through a mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves. His executioners gambled for the only piece of property he owned on earth, and that was his robe. When he was dead, he was taken down and laid in a borrowed grave, grave through the pity of a friend. Twenty centuries have come and gone, and today he's still the central figure of human race. I'm well within the mark when I say that all the armies that ever marched, all the navies that ever sailed, all the parliaments that ever sat, all the kings that ever reigned, put together, have not affected the life of man on earth as much as that one solitary life. Yeah. That's our Jesus. Come on. So let's just watch this video and then uh, we'll say a little prayer and then we'll sing some more. Okay. So let's, uh, let's all just bow our heads, can we? Close our eyes. And uh, I can't see very well at all. It's very dark in here, so, but there are a bunch of our welcome team just floating around. We've got copies of this little booklet that I wrote called The Gift of Hope. And we'd love to, if you give your life to Christ today, just place this in your hand and you can read it and reflect on it. And uh, I'm, I'm confident you'll be blessed by it. And it'll be the start of a, a whole new life with Jesus in charge. Lord, I pray in this place now that actually salvation will spring up. You're the saviour. You came to save. So so do your work. Help us to hurry quickly in response to your word today. Thank you, Jesus. So it's a little bit of a holy moment, really. And uh, So if you're, if you're not a Christian and you want to give your life to Christ today, or, or, you, or you've fallen far away from it, but you want to recommit your life, just with every head bowed, let's just raise your hand right where you are. Is anybody who wants to say yes to Jesus? Yeah. And guys will come round and just have, place a book in your hand. and Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? All the people who want to do this? I can't, to be honest, I can't see very well. But, but the welcome team can. That's it. <coughs> Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? Just raise a hand. Not to me, but to Jesus. Just saying yes. I want the gift of hope. I want to give my life 
to Christ. I want to say yes to Jesus. Anybody else? I want to make him Lord. Yeah? Thank you, Lord. I'm just going to just, in this moment, I, just, I think there may be more people. It's great, a bunch of hands have gone up around the church, but don't miss this opportunity to say yes to Jesus. It'll change everything, honestly. I've seen it time and time and time again over 39 years. Multiple thousands of people, rich people and poor people, happy people who, it's just happiness for now, not for eternity and sad people. So if there's anybody else, just say, just raise your hand now. Last time before I pray, one last prayer. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, thank you, Lord, for this time together. And as we, as we sing again now and praise you, I pray it will be the joy of the saved, the, the, the joy of the free, the, the joy of the, the, on those on whose God's favour rests. I, I pray more than anything we'll know the gift of hope and peace this Christmas, but not just that we'll know it, that we'll share it as the shepherds did. I pray people in our families, our friends will be amazed when they hear this good news. And you do something beautiful through this bunch of people here in Parswood today. Thank you, Lord. Can we just stand and give the Lord a round of applause? Now, come on, he's better than that. Come on. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.